The following is a Sports Ethos presentation. Yo, yo, welcome to another edition of Round Ball Ramble. I know, it's been a minute. I apologize. Life has been wild. Good, bad, and all of it, it's been wild. But I am back, um, hopefully for the long term here. I am joined with my buddy Anarud. I'm going to let him come on here in a second, but I do want to let you know this is a Sports Ethos presentation like the intro says. So check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at sportsethos.com. Or on Twitter at Sports Ethos. I'm Rusty, y'all. On Twitter at Sports Ethos, online sportsethos.com. Also, while you're on Twitter checking out Sports Ethos, please take a moment to follow at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most down in basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than competition and provides more analysis too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Follow now. All right. With that, it's been a minute. Like I said, I apologize, y'all, but I had to bring it on with a guest, regular friend, as we all know, Anarud. Anarud, man, how you doing? Uh, just reeling from how my bracket is completely destroyed, but other than that, they're pretty good. I, I, I just, I, listen, I didn't even do a bracket this year, if you can believe it or not. It's been so wild. I just said, hey, Arizona's going all the way. You obey Bear Down, and I'm going to hope that happens. I got Arizona and Gonzaga facing off in the finals. Hopefully. Uh-huh. I got Arizona and Gonzaga facing off. But hopefully it happens. Iowa was my big loss. Looks like everyone kind of fell on that one. I was really hopeful that Memphis would take down Gonzaga. I just thought, you know, Penny Hardaway, the team went through a lot of adversity. I like Jalen Duran, that kind of athletic front court guy that I thought could give um, Gonzaga some problems, and, and he sort of did. Um, they had a bunch of veteran guards. Amani Bates was in there, even though he really didn't factor in the second half of Memphis' season. It, it was just interesting to me um, how those two teams squared off. And mind you, Memphis controlled a good part of the game, but, you know, uh, Drew Timmy, uh, yeah, I mean, he went off in that second half and really carried uh, the, Mem- the Gonzaga team to a victory. But Memphis played well. Um, that was the one team I was really looking at as maybe more of an upset. But uh, with that being said, yeah, let, let's kind of talk about it for a second. We got March Madness, as we know. Uh, I'd already mentioned before recording this with you, bro, that, uh, you know, Ben, ben Math, Benjamin Matherin. Did I say that right? I feel like I did. Uh, but anyway, just obliterated TCU on a slam that was just disgusting. Um, Benedict. I don't know why I want to say Benjamin. But anyway, Benedict Matherin. And obviously, he's going to factor into this NBA draft. Uh, what have you seen so far? We talked about this draft class. How it's not really that crazy good but like that does make it more exciting there's been a lot more upsets because all the teams are more or less on like the same plane but a lot of these guys are going to be you know we talked about a few today uh or we've seen a few today paulo bancaro it would duke we saw jabari smith jr play horribly with auburn like a lot of these guys are, are, are potentially gonna be number one pick in this upcoming nba draft yeah i mean so like obviously there's no 
grade one pros that tier one prospect like a Zion, a Luca, Cade. Like, there's no clear guy that you'd say, okay, this is a foundation piece for the future of our franchise. But there are some really good solid pieces. Like, obviously, like the top tier, I think it's kind of set at this point with Chet, Jabari, uh, Jaden Ivy, Paulo Banquero, and then whatever happens with Shaden Sharp. If I'm assuming, yep. like, if he ends up actually, I assume being he's part of the draft. I don't know what's going on. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's just been so quiet. But then again, I thought Imani Bates wouldn't play for the rest of the season with Kentucky, and then he ended up playing two games in in March Madness. So who knows, right? <laughs> like, can we get Imani Bates? Like, the dude came in as like one of the most hyped up high school players. Like, people were yeah. talking about him as the next Kevin Durant, and which is wild. He was awful this year mm-hmm. so well, a lot, i heard I mean, a lot of folks didn't like his wingspan and everything i didn't like his the way his attitude was perceived i know that's a really just random thing to be like i don't like it but that was my thing but yeah he had a reality check it seemed like and sometimes you kind of need it like there are some guys who just come in they get let the hype get to them and usually like when you are like the best player at your high school or since AAU days, it can sometimes get to you. You may not realize, like, oh, I'm no longer the best player out there. There's, like, a million better players around me, and I can't just dominate with size or shooting or whatever it is. Yeah, and it's reality. It looks like that might have been the case. Possibly. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it helped for the better. Again, he did end up playing with a couple. He made, I think, a big three in each of the two games that the Memphis Tigers had in the tournament. Um, we'll see what happens next year. Obviously, he's not going to the NBA draft this season, uh, but Jalen Duran definitely will. That'll be interesting. Um, yeah, there's a few guys on in this draft class that I look at that I'm not like jumping or salivating at, you know, like, oh, I can't wait to see how they fit into the system. The closest guy I, I had to that was uh Jabari Smith from Auburn. I just love the fact this big who is just a really good shooter. Like that's plug and play in the NBA if there is one. You know, I was really hopeful for that. I still am. He didn't have the greatest showing. He did a horrible showing um as they just got eliminated if I remember correctly uh earlier this evening We're recording this on the 20th by the time you listen to it so this will be on Sunday the 20th the Auburn Tigers lost to the Miami Hurricanes um 79 to 61. And yeah, it it was it was bad. Miami's defense totally took um Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith Jr. out of it uh, in a major way. Like those guys, they they had no chance. Kessler went 0 for 6. Um, and then Jabari missed 13 of his first 15 shots and was one of eight from three. His only three point make was Auburn's final basket of the game. Like they were physical. They, you know, sent two people. Like they gave him a taste of, uh, of some real tough defense that he might more than likely be seeing in the next level. Yeah, Jamari Smith was just kind of like a really interesting prospect. Um, I think just as a baseline, someone with size who can shoot the way he can is always just going to have a spot on the roster. Um, at minimum, he's kind of like this MPJ type of player where bank forward, who can shoot. Um, I think one of the interesting things is like, can he develop a handle? Because if he does, I think that can be something that really unlocks him as more of a wing as opposed to a big, but in general, just like he has really nice defensive instincts and his shot is really nice. So he's kind of like the most surefire thing in this draft as just a 
here's a serviceable player that will play for the next couple of years. Um, the other guy that's kind of like that is Paulo Bancaro, but I feel like the ceiling on him is a lot lower mm-hmm. than what Jabari is because Paul is like, he'll come in, he'll be this elite scorer, but it's the other things that are kind of worrisome. Like, oh, like, there's these... a lot of comps that have been thrown around. Like, uh huh. The mellow one is the one that, like, I keep hearing it's like a high upside, but yeah. he's not that kind of shooter, yeah. at least not yet. Um, Julius Randall is more of like an interesting one for me, where he is this like tweener sized almost who can get his own shot in the mid range. He can score from post up after the triple threat, so he has some nice footwork, but it's his defense that's a bit concerning. Mm-hmm. And then, like, his playmaking, like, he's shown some nice flashes, but I also personally don't think that Duke team is any good this year. So, that's yeah, just me, they're just but... very, yeah, I agree. They're just very kind of there, you know? Yeah, it, it's like, I think they're okay. It's just, I personally don't think, like, a lot of players are being put into the right situations to make the most of it. So, we'll see how he goes. And then Chet Holmgren is just kind of like, this year's, like, what the hell is this person? Like, I've talked to a couple of people, and there are people who say he's the next Poku, and then mm-hmm. someone has said that he's the next Porzingis. And then <laughs> the gap between those two is very different players. Yeah. But then again, Porzingis isn't a player that we kind of hope he would become just because of injuries, and that's kind of yeah. one of the things that worries you about Chet, where this is a super skinny guy who's tall, but unlike Porzingis, he's an elite defender. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, I was gonna say what's what's weird for me is that Porzingis, I think some of it's injury for sure, but also some of it is the fact that like he plays a finesse game and you get guys of his size, it's really more of a power game, you know? So in this case, like can his finesse style, can you play through that consistently and and, and be a focal point of an offense, you know? And I think that's more of the question that we would see there. Yeah, Chet, like, on the other hand, is, like, a really physical player. So he's competitive. Mm-hmm. He'll constantly fight for position. Uh, he does have trouble with certain guys getting sealed on the block. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw Jalen Duran punish him a little bit in their matchup. Yeah. But overall, like, I think his fundamentals are pretty solid. He moves his feet well, especially in drop coverage. Uh, in transition, he's been great. He'll shoot some occasional trailer threes. And it the thing that like we just have yet to see is can he create his own shot? Or is he gonna be a guy who's dependent on being next to an elite number one option? So it's possible that he can create his own shot, but even without it, I still think he probably has the highest upside in this class. Um Maybe Jabari just has a little more if he, because I see Jabari being able to create his own shot a little better. But both of those two, I think, are like the clear one and two in this draft in some order. I don't care who you have, but I feel like everyone else is slightly lower than that. I agree with you. Uh, thoughts on before we move on, thoughts on Jay Nivey, you know, uh, guy who's been hitting, you know, tough pull up jump shots, even though his jumper's been kind of weird. Clearly, just from the athletic level, very fast. Get drawn comparisons to Russell Westbrook, John Morant. I'm going to be doing um, this week like my own like mock draft to try to get into this some more. So that'll be interesting to kind of see where that goes. But 
I, I just want to get your thoughts on him if you've if you've been aware or been able to like look at him for a little. Yeah, he's he's a crazy athlete. It's like a six four guard. Um, plays at Purdue. He's a legitimate one man fast break. Like he really reminds you of Westbrook at times, where he'll just grab and go, and he's constantly attacking downhill. Uh, Purdue does play a little more like of a big man post up offense, but he's still finding a way to thrive. So it gets. A lot of NBA teams will say this, but like I want to see him with NBA spacing and where he can really drive an offense as opposed to kind of being the second or third option in Purdue's offense. But his playmaking is really nice. His athleticism is off the charts. And I think Purdue tends to slow down a little too much, especially when you have Edie and Trevion Williams. So just seeing Jaden Ivey in a more open court situation where he has space around him and he can just constantly attack downhill. That's going to be the biggest thing. And then defensively uh-huh. um, point of attack, he has some trouble, but then again, it's like most cards kind of have that issue. He does show some nice instincts, especially coming out of ball screens. So I have a little hope that he can be good defensively and he does have really nice tools. He has solid wingspan. He has nice size for his, position and I think there is a genuine case that Keith could go number one that's fair that's fair I mean listen this is a draft where it's like it I would not be surprised if we saw one of Chet um Jabari Paulo or Jaden you know maybe somebody even goes crazy like those guys have all fluctuated. You know, you have concerns for Chet. His frame will hold up an NBA level, at least something. So you have concerns about Paulo um, Bancaro's ability to shoot three consistently, his defensive side. You know what I mean? Um, Jabari Smith Jr., he can shoot. What else can he do other than, you know, shooting play defense? Do you have anything on the on the bounce? Does anything there? Jane Ivey is shooting. You know, all have had questions. I would not be surprised to see any of them take a number one, um, any of them be a steal at number four. This is a draft that's just kind of, I'm surprised. It was just there. Yeah, there's just like a lot of... Like, I remember uh, Sam Messini was saying that, like, the gap between the 27th and the 50th best player in this draft is not that much. So there's just constantly going to be guys that you can all find for any team. So even if you have a lower pick, I don't think it's as bad as previous years where... After a certain point, it feels like the drop-off is too big. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But going on from this, we're going to definitely go and tune more into the draft. Um, like I said, I'm going to be doing a um, a mock draft here soon. I know I'll probably want to read back on, talk some draft, knowing that he's always in line with the, with the NBA drafts and looking at these prospects. Um, going on from there, let's kind of go back to the NBA. It's been a slow couple of days. College basketball has taken all of the attention rightfully so but you know we are approaching literally less than a month before the end of the nba regular season and the playoffs start april 20th um so literally a month from when we're recording we'll have the nba playoffs starting uh honor i'm gonna start with you what are some nba storylines or a storyline that you have an eye on here as we enter the final weeks of the regular season i mean to me the big one is what is going to happen with the warriors at this point um Steph Curry goes out with the injury. Hopefully it's nothing too crazy and long-term, but 
it looks like he won't be back before the playoffs. And Warriors were already at risk of losing to Memphis for that second seed. But mm-hmm. if they drop down, that could just cause some more chaos in the standings. You've got Utah potentially slip up there, Dallas maybe, Minnesota, Denver. There's just a lot of things that can go out. And we already had some concerns with Draymond, although that first game that he came back, he looked pretty good, so I'm not too worried. But just in general, this is a team that's been pretty reliant on their two guys and Draymond and Steph. So any one of them go out, this team could be a first-round exit. Wow. I mean, I, I, I agree. It's crazy to hear it be said. You know what I mean? But I, I definitely do agree with you just because – you know, injuries have been a big thing. Just when the Warriors got together after like a thousand days or something of not having um, Steph Curry, uh, Draymond Green, and of course, Clay Thompson all in the same court. They do that for, what, a game and a half, and then Steph Curry gets injured. He's out. The drop-off at the point guard spot is real. Again, the continuity is not really there. Even though Draymond Green's more your de facto point guard, you, you get the point. You know, it's still a mix of guys in and out of the rotation. Um, and you're right. Like, the way they play – a lot of it, it is talented, of course, but like a lot of it, I think, is continuity, being able to say, hey, we're all back in fine form, not only chemistry-wise with each other, but also fully health-wise. If you're battling one or the other, especially toward the top of the West, like that could be, you know, the right matchup, give you some problems. And I could definitely see the Warriors go to the conference finals. I could see them possibly even make their NBA finals. I could see them losing the first round. Absolutely. Like the barometer of success is so varied for this team, not even the barometer of success, the barometer of outcomes rather is so varied that, yeah, you're right. You, you know, it could go one of a thousand different ways um, all based on who they have on the floor come April. And I think we're going to have to see one, how long it takes Steph Curry's foot to respond to if other guys are going to be able to come back to health for the Warriors three, if you're able to keep Clay Thompson and Jermon Green healthy, but still get their form back for Clay, it's still been a, uh, you know, it's been a season of him trying to find his footing when not even a season, half a season. And for Draymond, he missed what, almost two months. Like it's a lot for these guys. So you're right. Get them on the same page is going to be important. And you know, the Warriors may just run out of time. Yeah. And the other thing is that like a lot of their other role players have fallen off a bit. Like Jordan Poole's come on a little bit towards the end of this last couple of games, but in general, like Andrew Wiggins hasn't been the same since his fairly all-star starter quality season. Um, but he hasn't been the same. Uh, Nemanja Bielitsa, Otto Porter have, haven't really been the same contributors as early on. Mm-hmm. Kevon Looney is trying his best to just survive out there. But in general, like a lot of this team had quality depth at the beginning. And that depth is starting to not be the same performance-wise. So, I don't know. Hopefully, uh, Kerr has been experimenting with trying to bring all three of Steph, Clay, and Poole out together more. And at times, it has looked pretty good. But I think the biggest thing is Poole's minutes have been fluctuating. And I think that's been affecting him when it's either him starting or coming off the bench, but just in general, like, he isn't the same movement shooter that Clay is. He's more of a guy like Jordan Clarkson where he wants to get his own shot a little bit more as opposed to just constantly running around screens looking mm-hmm. for open three. Yeah. So 
trying to be able to find that rhythm between all three of them is going to take some time. And if Steph's out, that's just going to make it worse. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I'm right there with you. Um, they're going to be a team I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on myself. Uh, the Lakers, the Pelicans, uh, I'm looking at those just the battle for the play-in. But honestly, both teams should sit tight right where they are. The Pelicans, I think, have been too injured um to really make up any ground on the Lakers although they have been playing a little bit better uh markable, markedly better since CJ McCollum has come in but he was out for I wouldn't say a game or two with health and safety protocol and then of course you had Brendan Ingram who's been out continually uh do some hamstring issues that can definitely be a reoccurring thing um and in spite of that you know they were with the absence of Ingram you do lose a lot of offensive pop and you force coach Willie Green to make substitutions and and starting lineups that are less optimal for the Pelicans um in one way you know trying to augment the offense a little bit we have a backcourt of uh Devontae Graham and Caesar McCollum which is great for the offensive side of the ball but it bleeds points on the defensive end in a major way since you know Devontae Graham is undersized and bad at defense and Caesar McCollum is less bad defense but still bad and also undersized so you do have two guys you know that are doing capably on one side of the ball and not doing on the other uh add to that a lack of i want to say dynamic wings although herb jones has been amazing on the defensive side of the glass and has shown a little bit more offensively and then you're looking at whatever you can get from cj mccullum and um um Jonas valanciunas on a night-to-night basis which i mean that's not necessarily what a recipe for success you know um i know they're still waiting on zon see what happens there if Brandon ingram come back and, and shake that nagging hamstring injury then they'll be a lot better but i think this 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 play-in race isn't really a race it's just two teams trying to hold on until the end of the season but um yeah uh oh yeah i I left i left i left to hang in there much like everyone else is with this play-in team i mean uh (laughs) never mind i'm not gonna talk to the lakers here Uh, i mean listen i i will appreciate that i'm going to take that i'm going to say thank you because I don't know what to say about this team that hasn't already been said. You know, LeBron James going and, and, and passing Carl Malone um, for second all-time in NBA League scoring is great. But, like, and I told this too, I was on the Chase uh, Thomas podcast um, earlier this week, and I said, I said every time LeBron passes a record, like, his team loses the game. You know, it happened when he passed Jordan. It happened when he passed Kobe, you know. Um, it just happens. Like, they're going to lose the game. So when I saw they beat the Raptors in a thrilling game, and I was like, okay, great. Like, they're either going to lose against Washington, which is going to be kind of weird because Washington is, like, the one team I think the Lakers are, like, just definitely better than, or they're going to lose to Cleveland, which would make a lot more sense. But, hey, you know, is the homecoming, LeBron, all of that, it made sense to me. So him playing Washington, the fact that, hey, he scored 38 points was easy, and the Wizards really could not stop him for the first half. And then the second half, you know, the Lakers' continuity fell apart. Um, the Wizards used, you know, that's their maximum effectiveness. And Christoph Porzingis uh, realized that, hey, I'm just turning over and shooting over Austin Reeves and LeBron James. That's not too hard. Once that happened, um, the Lakers kind of gave it up. And it's, 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 this has been the way of things, you know, win a game, lose a game. Do one good thing here. There's going to be one bad thing here. They haven't won back-to-back games since January 7th, Honorud. Like, this is a not great team that is playing like a team that is not great. You want to talk about superstar Wenyan Gabriel and how he's the <laughs> savior of the Lakers? You know what? I'm not gonna lie. I have definitely enjoyed seeing Wenyan Gabriel. Like he on um, the he's an interesting guy. You know, defensively he's shown some spice. 
offensively, that three ball has looked nice. The free throws have not looked great, but he brings an energy and a passion that um, it, it, I wish it was rubbing off into the Lakers, but it reminds me very much of how it was when Stanley Johnson first joined the Lakers roster and the, the, the insertion of energy. And I almost want to say desperation from these guys on the outside looking in that, that came in, they really helped this team in a major way. And I feel like winning Gabriel is somebody that, Hey, you know, maybe him and along with Stanley Johnson will actually be um, interesting pieces for next year's team, because this year, I just want to say, put a fork in his team. We're, we're cooked. So my experience with Linnea Gabriel, because he was like a two-way guy in the Blazers for a while. Yeah. Um, and so when I play a 2K, I used to, uh, especially if I was ever playing as like a center, as like my player, I would try to join the Blazers. Okay. And for some reason, Wenya Gabriel is like a beast at just catching lobs constantly. So my in my head for like the last two years, all I thought is this guy's in a great is amazing dunker. He just needs to be on the right team and he'll thrive. Uh, uh, and then two- I watched the game of it and he's nice, but 2K has some changes they need to make yeah yeah they really do it it feels like 2k out there tricking y'all running around making them think you're doing something (laughs) like so who are you gonna wave for when you gabriel oh man when you asked me this question earlier i was like really and like the knee-jerk reaction is to say avery bradley of course but avery bradley did help win well he kind of basically did no he helped win that game russell like help get there, but he helped win that game against the Raptors. And, you know, he knows Frank Vogel's style, which for the rest of the season defensively uh, means something uh, when Frank Vogel is gone at the end of the year, then of course, you know, Avery Bradley would be a lot more expendable, but in the meantime, between time, it can't be him. So I'm looking at the end of the roster and I see a two way Mason Jones. Uh, I see a cooked Trevor. DeAndre Jordan. Oh wait. He's uh, exa- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see Wayne. It had to be somewhere between, Kendrick Nunn, Trevor Reza, Wayne Ellington. I think Kent Bazemore does just too good for the vibes and, like, was honestly just being overplayed. Like, I think he's still a decent player. He was just, like, being overplayed when he was starting and playing the role he was. And then he went from that to not playing at all. Like, I just think he saw some value there. Um, Ariza's done. Like, it's over. The fact that he lasted 18 years is amazing, but uh, this is it. Like, this is a wrap for him. Uh, DJ Augustine we just got. I'm not willing to say anything yet. Kendrick Nunn hasn't played all year, so I'm willing to say okay with that. And Wayne Ellington, same thing, just unfortunately not playing all much of the season, not be great on the defensive end of the floor. And, you know, that's about it. I mean, he's actually shooting 39% from three in limited attempts, so it's not like there's anything crazy there. But that 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 those are the candidates, I would say. Uh, who would you say? I mean... Can we wave Russ? Oh, wait. No, oh, that's wow. Funny. Uh, I mean, no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, if it was me, I'd probably pick one of Baseball or. God. The thing is, like, I really want to believe in some of these guys, but yeah. then again, it's like, you haven't shown me anything in the last couple months. So it might be Trevor Reese, but I mean, yeah. Again, like, it's a wing who can just like, can he move at least? I mean, honestly, here's the thing: we could the Lakers could have used him against the Wizards, right? When they had 
constantly Christopher Zingas is turning and shooting over either LeBron James or Austin Reeves. Trevor Reza couldn't even see the floor in that matchup. If you can't find Trevor Reza in a spot where the only thing that comes into play at this point, his size, can actually be used, then he just can't be on the floor. And if he can't be on the floor, then get him out of here. Yeah, good point. Yeah, it might have to be Trevor Reza. And that's They're just about the same matter. size. Yeah, like, it, exactly. I mean, it, it is what it is. It's unfortunate, but, you know, it is what it is there. So I'm right there with you there. But, um... Yeah, that, that was a depressing uh, note. Thanks a lot for that, Anarud. Really appreciate that. Um, before Anytime. we go, <laughs> before we go on to uh, spotlighting uh, your, your your Dallas Mavericks, Anarud, I do want to take just a moment here, um, and and not to wax poetic about my Lakers because it's over. Like I said, I've I finally come to grips with that, but I I I don't want you listeners to. Be stuck on that. I want you guys to listen to this here. And and what that is, is we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos. It's Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use the code ethos, E-T-H-O-S, when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night, score points when your props hit, and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos, E-T-H-O-S, over at thrivefantasy.com. All right, so now it's time for our little team spotlight uh, edition feature, whatever you call it. I'm going to throw it over to Anarud. We are talking to Dallas Mavericks, a team that actually has some hope for this postseason. Yeah, just ignore it, the last loss to Charlotte. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, despite Lucas 38. No one could hit a shot, damn. That game was awful. <laughs> <laughs> True that, though. I mean, I was, like, looking at it. I mean, okay, to be fair, they were missing Spencer Dinwiddie back-to-back. He was resting. Uh, Reggie Bullock just came back to the team, so they didn't want to play him yet. Um, hopefully, whatever's going on in his personal life is – getting better uh so you knew you were going into a team that was a bit hot and they're a good offense you're missing a defender and one of your core scorers so it was going to be a little tough but the hornets hit like 50 percent of their threes and they were just making everything like miles bridges hit like this amazing fadeaway over josh green and, yeah, that, that was just not a good game. But in general, let's talk about the Mavs. Uh, Spencer <laughs> Dinwiddie has come into the team. True. And they've been pretty good. I mean, so, like, it sounds cliche, but, like, the Mavs fans have been yelling about another ball handler for, like, the last three years. Yep. And, gee, when you add another ball handler – the offense explodes. Who would have known? But, <laughs> it but is a like, novel concept, Honorud. It is a novel concept. I don't know. Look, whoever thought of the idea needs to be given an award at this point. Make them the GM. But okay, so <laughs> when they made the trade for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans, uh, I know a lot of fans were pissed off because they were like, okay, we're getting rid of the best player in the field. Um, but 
in general, like the reason they made that move was for financial reasons. It's easier to move two smaller contracts, even if they're bad, than it is one giant bad contract. And my thinking was, okay, this is a purely financial move. It's not really to make the team better. And it's just to make it more flexible. Whatever you get out of Dinwiddie and Bartons, hopefully you can rehab their value a little bit, is a boost. But Dinwiddie comes in and he's been incredible. Like yeah. a real constant scoring presence. You can just get the ball drive. And he's been a good playmaker. His shooting has been incredible. That probably comes down to earth a little bit. But I think just getting a better diet of catch-and-shoot threes as opposed to self-created threes is going to be a lot better for him. Because back in Brooklyn, that's kind of what he was doing. Most of his threes were off the dribble. So when you're next to Luka, a lot of your stuff is going to be catch-and-shoot. And that's been a place he's been thriving. And in general, like the Mavs been playing this three-guard lineup a little more with him, Brunson, and Luke on the floor. And the ball just constantly moves whenever that lineup's out there. It'll be a Luka, pick and roll, drive, instantly kick to Dinwiddie or Brunson. They'll run a handoff, and one of them will be driving. The other one will be cutting towards the other side. And the ball's just constantly flying. And the other role players, like Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleba, Dwight Powell, they've becoming really good at just constantly keeping the ball moving. So mm. this team's offense has been really good. Defensively, they're still this tough, gritty team. They're having some issues. Like in that Brooklyn game, Andre Drummond just destroyed the Mavs on the board. They weren't able to play him off the floor after a while. But in general, like it's probably depending on who you go against. Like if you go against DeAndre Aiden in the playoffs, that would be a problem, especially – because he can score in the inside as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Jokic, obviously, but I think this team's just in a really good place. Uh, clutch performance has also been another thing. Before Spencer Dimity got there, they were like one of the worst clutch teams, I think like bottom three. Oh, wow. Um, part of that was the missed games with Luka and stuff, so I'm not going to take too much stock into it. But since... Spencer Dinwiddie has joined the team. They're the number one clutch team in the NBA. Um, anytime they go down, I don't feel that bad about it. Like, they legitimately feel like they can come back from anywhere. Like, they came back in that Brooklyn game. They came back in Philly uh, mm-hmm. way before, not this last one. They came, again, came back against the Warriors. They came back against Boston. Like, they're just constantly in every game. And a lot of that is just because of their defense. Like previous years, the Mavs were all about just can you outscore the opponent? You yeah. weren't going to stop them, so just outscore them. <laughs> Don't pretend to. Yeah. Yeah. And when you go against a team that's good at offense and good at defense, unfortunately, the Mavs can't do that anymore. But now the Mavs can guard people and guard them well, yeah. despite not having like a true defensive player of the year type of player. They're really good defensively. Everyone's locked in and this team's been on fire, and I think Jason Kidd's not going to win Coach of the Year. There's a lot of better candidates, but I think he has to be up there as like one of the guys in the conversation for it, just because he took this team that was terrible defensively, mm-hmm. and despite its personnel, turned into a really good defense. True. I mean, what what I mean? Do you think that it, uh, it has to purely come to his coaching? Because after the move that they did make, um, losing Christoph Porzingis and bringing in Spencer Dinwiddie and Bertans, they've still been a pretty effective defensive unit, right? 
Yeah, like, to be fair, like, a lot of their defense, like, when they were really good, came without Porzingis, because mm-hmm. Dallas wants to play smaller. They're going to put uh, Dorian at the five, or maybe Dwight Powell or Maxi Kleba, but in general, play smaller, switch a lot more, and you can't really do that when KP's on the floor, but I think in general, just kid, the way he's been preaching, everyone's bought in, like, we all know Luca's never going to be an elite defender, but mm-hmm. he's been bought in this year, and it's been showing, like, he's been taking pride into it. Like, he'll, he's going to be sarcastic when he says, like, oh, I should be in all defense, but, like, he genuinely feels like he's been a good defender this year. And the numbers say so, too. Like, he's been one of the better defenders in the league. Obviously not a defensive player of the year type of player, but mm-hmm. just a good defender. and when your best player is being bought in on defense, everyone else will follow suit. So even Jalen Brunson is like small. He's never going to be an elite defender. He's smart and he knows when to rotate and do whatever he can. He'll take charges. He can't protect the rim. And Josh Green is a gritty defender. That dude's going to fly around screens, chasing ball handlers. Max Akleba, Dorian Finney-Smith, they're like the two best defenders on the Mavs. And then Reggie Bullock has been a solid defender as well. So this team just it's bought in, and it's going to be fun to see who they match up against for the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. I, I 100% agree with you on that. And I'm, I'm curious myself as to how that's going to unfold. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, I was going to actually do my team breakdown, but that was such a thorough one. Plus, we kind of talked about Pelicans here a little bit before. I'm going to save that for later in the week, at least a new team breakdown. Um, but what I am going to do, we have some NBA games tomorrow on a route, and I want to just kind of run through them, get your takes, just rapid fire on each one. So first, uh, all times Eastern, 4 p.m., Blazers versus Pistons. Any thoughts? If you don't have any, you can just say pass. We're good to go. <laughs> pass. All right, there we are. Uh, do I have any takes? Let me see. No, uh, it's the Blazers and the Pistons. <laughs> Moving on. Lakers versus Cavs, also at four. Anarud, please have mercy. I mean, who's guarding Evan Mobley and Darius Garland? Yep, that was my question exactly. I don't see it. I really don't. I think the Lakers try to go big, start Dwight Howard. Um, not sure how that You're going to try going big against the Cavs? Like, I mean, listen, it's either that or we start LeBron James as center against Evan Mobley. Like, maybe strength-wise, Evan Mobley doesn't have it against LeBron, but, like, in terms of pure length, like, it's no contest. That's actually might be interesting. I, I want to see how that goes, but... I'm just, I'm like just trying to be Darius realistic Starlin. on it. Uh-huh. I'm not hopping. I'm not hopping at the opportunity. All right. Let me, let me, let me be the first to say it's not a, a pleasure of mine to be doing so. It's, it's just something that's like, uh, it's just something I feel is going to happen. You know, I just, that game's not going to be fun. I, I'm not looking forward to it. Um, You know what? Can, can, can we, let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. Um, I'm going to throw these three, four games at you. You can just pick which one you want to comment on. Pelicans versus Hornets is at four. Heat versus 76 is at 430. Jazz and Nets also at 430. And then Raptors and Bulls at five. Okay, let's talk about the Heat Sixers. Yeah, I do like that. I think it's going to be a, a nice little matchup. They are in Philadelphia. Second, I have a back-to-back for 76ers. See how they respond um, against Miami Heat team that is at the top of the conference. 
definitely want to see how those two teams come together. Um, yeah, especially since, you know, since you've had the addition of Harden, the 76ers have been parading to the free throw line. So definitely should be something fun to watch. Um, last three games, all end early because you still have March Madness, I assume. Five, five, and 5.30. Two games at five, Wizards and Rockets and Celtics versus Thunder. And then 5.30 to close out a very early slate, the Timberwolves versus the Mavs. That, that uh, game's going to be fun. Well, Timberwolves and Mavs? Yeah, I knew that's one you'd probably take. I'm glad you did. I mean, the Timberwolves, like, at some point, I need to do a deeper dive, but they've been really good this year. Yeah, yeah. They've been they've been remarkably solid. Like, um, And they're legit. They look legit. Like, they've, they, the way they played, their defense has been solid, the way they've been shooting the three ball, like, they are a team that, yeah, I 100% agree with you. Like, they are. Malik Beasley is suddenly just a sniper now. Yeah, it's like he's turning back to contract year Malik Beasley. Yeah. And then Which, Anthony Edwards, I, I love his interviews. Did you hear him talking about defense? Um, no. He went, went, so, wait, 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 uh, when did when that happen? I think it was, might have been after the Bucks game, but someone asked him after the game, like, what he looks at, what he's going through film. Mm-hmm. And his answer was, I know I'm a good defender, so I don't watch film of the other guys. I just go out there and use my instincts. Okay. And uh, it's like, I mean, yep, listen. that's a perfect quote. I love you. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> you know always that you're going to get a good interview from Anthony Edwards. Like, whether or not it's one that makes a whole lot of sense, you know, whether it's one that's based in a whole lot of truth, it's always going to be a very good interview. So, like, I'm not surprised by that. That makes me laugh, though. Like, keep just being yourself, right? Yeah, and especially, like, they're, he's been really good on defense this year. Uh, since, like, Gene McDaniel's been out, who's one of their best wing defenders, um, they've been going to this trapping scheme a little more, so mm-hmm. we'll have Towns be up higher. And at the back line, you have Pat Bev, Anthony Edwards in the place of Gene McDaniels, and you have Vanderbilt, who's basically Dennis Rodman 2.0. So mm-hmm. just constantly attacking the glass. They're really good defensively. Torrey and Prince has been solid. Um, he's a guy I thought could have been moved at the deadline, but he's been helpful for the Wolves. Yeah, he definitely has been. And I agree with you. He's someone I thought was going to be moved, but it didn't happen. And like so far, not bad. You know, like it worked out. So like, okay, if, it, if that's going to be what it's going to be, then like, let's make it happen, right? <laughs> and then Pat Bev is just, he's, he's, he's a guy. Fun. He's a guy out there. Yeah. yeah. If he's not getting ejected for pushing people in the back, you know, he'll be okay. Okay. Like, why would you push the guy who just had back surgery? I, you know, I don't know. I feel like, I, I don't know. I don't hold it again against him any, like, being personal. I just don't think he makes the smartest of decisions, and he does this on a regular basis. Because like, I don't like, think he did it on purpose. Like, I, I don't think but he it's still thought, not like, wise. Oh, this guy back yeah, yeah, there was nothing in that, that that denoted, like, oh, this is something. He also barely did anything. Like, Sir Buck just stood there. Yeah, exactly. So what was the point of doing? I get back into your teammate, but they didn't really need backing up. They were already dispersing it. Like, it didn't make any sense, the timing. It was a Pat Bev move. It's it's something I expect Pat Beverly to do. Like, at the end of the day, I'm not shocked that it happens, you know? Yeah. And then Nas Reed, I think, is just one of my favorite backup bigs in the league. Didn't shoot a little bit. Great defender. Just 
a nice backup big. No, absolutely. He really is. Absolutely. I mean, he's someone that does the job and slots in and has done it well. Yep. Well, Anirudh, I mean, this has been fun. Thank you for being the guy to help me come back on the show. It has been a couple of weeks of an absence. I'm happy to get back on. Could not think of a better partner to get me back started, man. I appreciate you. Um, I know you'll be coming back on here soon, man, but uh, what you looking forward to this week? Uh, I want to see a little more of the Wolves, see what's going on with their defense, try to dive a little more deeper, and then March Madness, is Arizona going to get beat before making it to the finals? There we go. That's going to be interesting. I hope not because, like I said, I did not make a bracket, but I did say to anyone who would listen that the, the – um, I can't even think of the name. Wow, Bear Down. <laughs> the Arizona Bear Down would take it all. So I kind of need that to happen to have some sort of uh, legitimacy when it comes to this whole, uh, you know, fantasy basketball deal. Anyways, aside from that, man, thank you again, Roof for coming on. Do appreciate you, man. You always know that. Um, you know, you'll be on here pretty soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Oh, always, man. Listen, y'all, appreciate y'all for sticking with it. Um, check me out on Twitter at Corbin NBA. Thank you in advance for doing so. Um, check out Sports Ethos again on Twitter at Sports Ethos online, sportsethos.com. Hey, quickly, before we sign off, want to remind you also to use the coupon code HoopBall20. I know we're Sports Ethos, but the code is still HoopBall20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. Again, check out our pals there, manscaped.com. Use the promo code HoopBall20 H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L for 20% off and free shipping. Also, look into our pals at mybookie.ag. Use the code HoopBall on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. So you got two deals, two partners, all there. Manscaped, mybookie, the code HoopBall20 for Manscaped, HoopBall for mybookie.ag. Really appreciate y'all, everyone. For Honor Rude, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. I This has been a Sports Ethos presentation.